a most interesting dinner. It was about an hour later when the guard who had been detailed to watch Hal while he wrote out his statement came into the room. My lord the young man wishes to speak with you I told him you were busy, but he has an idea that I think you should listen to. Bring him in. The guard saluted and opened the door to usher the young man into the room. There is something you want to say? Yes, my lord, am I right in assuming that your intention is to arrest Lord Tyrell and bring him to trial? Of course. Well Lord Tyrell told Sergeant Fletcher to send word when you'd left here. One of us would be expected to run down and give him a message and then run back with a reply. As I was the one who got the unpopular duties, he won't be surprised to see me. If he doesn't get a message he will probably leave here and flee. Are you willing to take a message? Yes, my lord. Is it written? No sir, it's verbal. I'd suggest telling him that the tower has been searched and your men did not even go close to the oubliette trapdoor. You have now moved on to search Lord Tyrell's hunting lodge. He has a hunting lodge here? Yes sir, he uses it for some of his parties. Where is it? If you take the road to Woodford, my lord and immediately after the wooden bridge, turn left and ride for about two miles you will reach it. Hal pulled a folded piece of paper out of his sleeve. While I was waiting for you to finish talking to Sergeant Fletcher, I drew you this map. I've marked a clearing on the far side of the lodge where Lord Tyrell would meet with the Darltorians. Very well, guardsman. Run now and deliver the message. Add that I'm leaving a piquet here until I've finished at the hunting lodge. We wouldn't want him sneaking back here while he thinks my back is turned. Hal Tanner saluted Lord Harris and slipped out of the tower's door. I like that young man, the Lord Marshal said as he watched the door close. I wish there was someone I could send watches back, but I think any of my guardsmen or journeyman Timon would only serve to warn Lord Tyrell. Kathkin meowed loudly and jumped from the bard's lap, the fire flickered and the cat's fur darkened as he crossed the room. Jyla sighed resignedly and opened the door a crack. The cat slipped out into the dark without a backward glance. You'd forgotten our small ally hadn't you? Master Kalpin remarked. Now I think we'd better decide what we're going to say at the conclave. Lord Vernon is going to be devastated, but we can't allow the news of his son's treason to distract us from the reason we called this meeting. It's little more than an hour before it starts and we need to agree on how we will present this matter. The Lord Marshal turned to the bard. Journeywoman Jyla, I would that I could offer you suitable garments for attending a great lord's formal evening. Unfortunately, you will have to wait out of sight until I call you. We need you to look disheveled from your captivity, lest anyone doubt your story. Go and rest for a while, Master Kalpin said gently. I will send time on to escort you to Lord Vernon's hall when the time is right. Jayala acknowledged the man and left the room. She thought that sleep was beyond her but fell asleep as soon as she laid down. Lord Vernon welcomed the great lords to his table and formally reminded them that as they sat in conclave, they were honor-bound to never repeat anything that was said to any person who was not at the meeting, unless given permission to do so. It was clearly understood that they could all be accused of high treason if King Aslian learned of this meeting before they were ready to act. The realms were not like other kingdoms, Aslian was not a hereditary monarch, he was just a great lord who had been elected to his post when the last king died. In theory a conclave of the great lords could vote to remove him if they felt his rule endangered the well-being of his subjects. The seven lords, gathered at Lord Vernon's hall constituted the minimum number needed to cast such a vote, and they were there to decide if King Aslian's secret alliance with the Darltorians gave them grounds to take such action. My lords, I call this session of our conclave to order. You have listened to all opinions and debated amongst yourselves. I call upon the Lord Marshal to the present each of the points, summarize our earlier discussion and call upon you to either confirm or deny each article. Should the will of this conclave be to support each section, 
we will then vote on whether or not we shall act upon our decision. Lord Vernon, pause turning his head slowly until he had looked each the great lords in the eye, my lords, I call upon all the powers that watch over the realms, to grant us wisdom to reach the best decision, and the courage to act upon it. Lord Vernon raised his goblet in a toast, before sitting down and gesturing to the Lord Marshal. Lord Harris rose and was about to speak when the hall door slammed open. Before we begin our deliberations, I would speak upon a matter of honor. Everyone looked round as Lord Tyrell strode into the dining hall. My son, is this the right time and place for whatever you would say? Lord Vernon asked, obviously somewhat shocked by Lord Tyrell's arrival. It is only respect for this conclave, my Lord Father, that causes me to speak. I have good reason to believe that the Lord Marshal, along with Master Healer Calpin, is intent on trying to displace you as head of this conclave by bringing ridiculous and false allegations against me. Lord Harris obviously fears that you will be voted in as the new king rather than himself. Lord Vernon raised both hands to quiet everyone in the room. He then spoke formally Lord Tyrell, these are serious allegations I hope you can present proofs. It is not my lords, Lord Tyrell addressed the whole conclave, a case of my presenting proof against them. I had to act before they could conspire to falsify so-called proofs against me. Only this afternoon did the two I accuse force their way into my tower, and then search my hunting lodge. I learned, from an eyewitness, that Jayula, a bard out of Melday has vanished on the road after she left the village of Antonia's holding on my father's lands. I happen to be travelling through that area on my father's business checking with his stewards that all is well and seeing what we needed to do for them. I need not explain. You all know how to manage a large estate. When I arrived in the village the bard was playing. She was talented and I made a point of talking to her after her performance and asking her to overwinter at Lord Vernon's Hall. Master Healer Calpin has started an unfounded rumor that I quarreled with this bard and threatened her. Nothing could be further from the truth. However, she has vanished, and the good Lord Marshal today roughly questioned my guardsmen hoping they would confirm the insane accusation that not only did I argue with her but also arranged her abduction. You can see how absurd such a suggestion is. Before I came here tonight, I sent out some of my people with instructions to search villages around Antonia's holding and to discover where she went. There is and can be no evidence against me for I have done nothing. I call upon the lords assembled to question the Lord Marshal about these allegations. I dare him to provide any evidence that back his absurd claims. My Lord Father I call upon you to see justice done. There were a few moments of uproar, and the Lord Marshal noticed two things. Some men-at-arms bearing Lord Tyrell's badge had quietly entered through one of the back doors while their master was speaking. Timon was standing in front of the side door that was usually used to let entertainers into the dining hall. He had his hand on the doorknob and nodded when Lord Harris looked at him. What have you to say to these serious allegations my Lord Marshal? Lord Vernon said clearly, although everybody could see he was concerned. My son would never attack a bard. Lord Vernon I can do no better than to call upon the witness who first told me what had happened to journeywoman Jayla, out of Melday. Although this witness's appearance may surprise you, in the name of justice I request that you wait till he has finished before commenting. When he has finished, I will call two other witnesses. In the name of justice, I will. Lord Vernon agreed. My lord, I wanted to breach this matter with you privately, however, your son has forced my hand. Lord Vernon nodded gravely, and the Lord Marshal turned to face the journeyman, Healer Timon, would you be so good as to call the mage known as Calf? The healer opened the door and to the amazement of the assembled conclave a large ginger cat leapt onto the nearest table. You are the magical practitioner known as Calf? Lord Harris, voice stilled the buzz of conversation that filled the hall. I am my lord. 
There was a moment of silence then Lord Tyrell's voice rose mockingly, My lords, can you not see that this man cannot answer the serious charges I have leveled against him and is resorting to some type of desperate trickery? If we search the minstrel's gallery, I have no doubt we will find a ventriloquist. Kathkin meowed loudly and the great fire dimmed for a moment. Then as the light increased so did the cat, growing to the size of a large leopard. Be silent Lord Tyrell. Or must I cast a spell to mute your voice while I speak? The cat looked round the hall and then nodded politely to Lord Vernon. May I begin my story, my lord? Anyone would think that none of you have ever seen a talking cat before. I don't think any of us ever have. Well, there is your proof that I am indeed a magical practitioner. By the laws of the realm, I can talk in this august gathering when asked to do so. That is certainly the law master Kath. Tell us what you know of the disappearance of the bard Jaila. Remember that should you deliberately misrepresent the truth then this conclave will be harsh in its treatment of you. There was a coldness in Lord Vernon's voice, and Kath felt a rush of sympathy for the man, although he found his claws flexing in reaction to the man's tone. I understand my lord. But the law also states that anyone who calls for judgment must abide by the verdict, whatever it is. That is so. All here will ensure that justice is done. There was a moment of silence then Lord Harris took up the questioning again, how did you come to know this bard? We were travelling companions who met by chance on the road. Very well, tell us all that has bearing upon this matter. Kathkin spoke simply but recounted as fully and honestly as he could what had happened from the time when Lord Tyrell had arrived in Antonia's holding until he had found her in the tower. He was about to continue when Lord Vernon banged his fist on the table. This is madness and I see that my son is right. The fact that you would stoop to enchanting a cat so that it parrots this ridiculous story while under an illusion any fool could see through, proves his point. Shall I have that beast removed? Lord Tyrell interjected, a sickening grin on his face, perhaps someone would like to examine it. Vernon, you are being a thrice damned fool. Lord Harris shouted, his bellow of rage silencing everyone. Since you are incapable of hearing out my first witness, despite your vow, I called journeywoman Jayla, a bard out of Melday. Healer Timon, show her in. There was a moment of pandemonium, then silence as the girl walked into the hall. Everyone heard the cat growl something that sounded almost like human words. All the torches dimmed except for those to either side of the girl which flared brightly. Lord Tyrell, it could be seen, went white. Then his father, grabbed for his wine, turned to an old man on his left, Lord Marin, please take over the conclave for me. The ripped state of her clothing was obvious but what caught everyone's attention were the lash welts on her face. The Lord Marshal came out from behind his table moving to a position where he could easily see the other great lords, Jayla, and Lord Tyrell. You are the bard Jayla from the college at Melday? Yes, I am my lord. She eased her shirt far enough down so that everyone could see the Melday rune embedded in her left shoulder. At the same moment a man in a formal bardic tunic came into the torchlight. He was carrying a small harp which he started plucking. As he played the girl's embedded mark began glowing, changing color in tune with the music. Lord Marin raised his hand for silence. Thank you, I am certain the members of this conclave accept that you are indeed a bard out of Melday, he shot a rather venomous glance at Lord Tyrell. Should any of your lordships believe that she is an actor, I will ask her to play. After a few moments of silence Lord Harris, smiled at the bard and continued. We have heard from the mage Cat, that you were recently drugged with a hunting arrow, are you recovered enough to give us your evidence? Yes, my lord. If I start to feel weak, I will inform you. Very good, please tell us what happened. Kathkin watched as his friend gave her evidence. He had expected her to tell it simply in the way he had heard it earlier. However, 
he had forgotten that she was barred and had a lot of training in presentation and public storytelling. When she had to relate conversation, although she didn't attempt to mimic anyone, her changes of pitch and accent made it easy to understand what the different speakers said. It was a devastating testimony, especially when she turned her back and the Lord saw the gash in her jerkin with the partly healed wound beneath. There was silence when she had finished. Lord Marin turned towards Lord Tyrell. My Lord, you have heard the serious charges that have been made against you. Do you wish to question either of the witnesses? No, my Lord Marin, I do not think I will bother. This is obviously a stage-managed farce organized by the Lord Marshal in an attempt to hurt my father. It is obvious that one of my men got annoyed by her insolence and decided to punish her. That horrifies me and I will see that he faces justice. However, it seems that my father's enemies have taken this horrible event and have perjured themselves to make it seem that I ordered them to commit their crimes. As a result, I demand that this case is taken before the king, so he may determine the motives of Lord Harris and his cronies. Lord Marin, that was an interesting reply. The Lord Marshal was calm. In order to make things clear I would like to remind everyone that I did not accuse Lord Tyrell of anything. Rather he made allegations against me. Now it is true that I was going to bring charges against Lord Tyrell, but they weren't going to be just for the attack on the Bard Jaiwa. I knew he would try to distance himself from the assault, content to see some of his retainers go to the scaffold for his crimes. I was going to accuse him of high treason and bring sufficient evidence to prove the charge. My Lord Harris, that is such a serious charge that the conclave must insist that you make good on your words. Lord Marin stated sternly. Lord Tyrell, started to speak but Lord Merrill silenced him with a gesture. Lord Tyrell. It is for your benefit that I must ask Lord Harris to justify his serious accusations. You have the right and I have a duty to ensure that the High Marshal, puts forward his evidence, so that you have a chance to refute it. Very well, Lord Merrill. I am sure that you, at least, are an honourable man. Kafkin thought that Lord Tyrell sounded too calm. I, will however, be reporting this to the King. Very well. Lord Marshal please present your case. My lords, during the evidence of the mage Kath and the Bard Jaiwa, mentions were made to some allies that Lord Tyrell put great store in. I would bid you remember this during the next testimony. He gestured to Timon again, please could you ask the next witness and his escort to come in. Everyone was looking towards the side door when Fletcher and two guards entered the room. Kafkin, who was still sitting on his table, although he was now back to his normal size, noticed that there were now several other guards in the room so that each of Lord Tyrell's soldiers had another armed man by his side. Lord Tyrell swore and looked round. He saw that his men had been neutralized and that two of the Lord Marshal's men stood in front of the doors to the hall. Kafkin saw him smile and relax. Not trusting the man's apparent composure, the cat started slowly gathering energy, mainly using the fire as his source. Are you Sergeant-at-Arms Fletcher, formerly in Lord Tyrell's service? Lord Harris asked. Yes, my lords, and if I may beg your indulgence, I'd like to make a statement before I give my evidence. That would be unusual, Lord Merrill replied. However, everything about this affair is curious, so if it will speed things up, please go ahead. Thank you, my lord, as I was waiting to give evidence, I heard some of what was said and I understand that the charge being laid against Lord Tyrell is high treason. I would like to admit that I arranged the abduction of the bard and oversaw her confinement. In my defense I was acting under the orders of Lord Tyrell as I bore the girl no ill will. Although I doubt that she feels as charitably towards me. As that is the lesser charge, although still serious, I thought it would be an earnest of my good intentions to take my due responsibility. It was only the five guards at the tower who were involved and three are dead. Please do not implicate any other of Lord Tyrell's servants. 
Thank you, Fletcher. As I am responsible for hearing the allegations of treason, I will refer the assault on the Bard back to the Lord Marshal to consider your punishment for that crime. I will ask him to take into consideration your confession, and to ask the Bard Jayala if she is willing to be merciful. Lord Merrill looked at Lord Harris who nodded, then continued. Please tell us what you know about the allegations of treason against Lord Tyrell. My lords, I am a simple man whose only real skill is being a guard. I do not know much about politics or worry about my lord's affairs. I am paid to follow orders, so forgive me if I'm not clear about Lord Tyrell's motives. I am not trying to conceal any responsibility for anything I've done behind clever words and prevarications. If you believe that I'm hiding anything, ask me directly and I will try to answer to your satisfaction. I beg to interrupt this farce Lord Merrill. Lord Tyrell shouted angrily. This ex-sergeant of mine has admitted that he abducted the bard and knowing that he is facing a capital charge has agreed to accuse me of being involved and then perjure himself in exchange for a lenient sentence. Remember, my lords, that the only proof they have are the blatant lies of a self-admitted criminal. Lord Tyrell, how can I ask them to present their proofs until I know what their accusations are? Lord Merrill asked reasonably. Be assured that on charges this grave I cannot rule against anyone on the testimony of a compromised witness. Sergeant, please continue, but be as brief as possible. Yes, my lord. To cut a long tale short, soon after King Aslian agreed an alliance with the Darltorians, they demanded that the king license all users of magic within the realms, not just mages, on the pretext that such power should be scrutinized by the state. After some debate I understand that the king agreed to hand over magical malcontents and rebels to them in exchange for material aid. You understand. Lord Tyrell snorted scornfully, Lord Merrill this is pure hearsay. I doubt that a man-at-arms would be privy to such a conference. That is a valid point, Lord Tyrell. The old lord acknowledged the point. Sergeant you need to explain how you came to know this. Lord Tyrell has made some powerful enemies recently and fears assassination. He insists on having a bodyguard at every meeting he attends. Because I am only a servant and always there, I think I escape notice. I said that I understood as sometimes Lord Tyrell did not attend the meetings with the ambassador but was told of them when the king spoke to members of his privy council. Lord Tyrell replaced me on the council after I fell out with this Leon over some of his taxation ideas, a thick-set lord interjected from the far end of the table. The king didn't appreciate me calling him a fool. I was told that my presence at court was no longer wanted. Frankly I was glad to get back to my estates. In that case Lord Tyrell, I think that the sergeant's evidence is in order. Lord Merrill ruled, he heard what was said but I concede that it has yet to be proved that his understanding of these events is accurate. Sergeant Fletcher please continue with your evidence. As you know the king signed the orders allowing the Darltorians to search for people with magical talent. I heard Lord Tyrell and his senior advisors discussing this matter and the young lord was incensed that his father had decided to defy the king over this matter. His initial reaction was to order all reeves in the lands he controlled to cooperate with the strangers. It became apparent that a lot of the realm's nobles and most of the great lords agreed with Lord Vernon and refused to let the Darltory and Zitza unlicensed practitioners. Lord Tyrell, and his advisors agreed that if the great lords opposed the king then the strangers would invade the realms and take what they wanted by force. A few months ago, I accompanied my lord to Henstrackle where he sounded out several of his peers. One of the young men asked whether Lord Tyrell thought that king, or the strangers, might reward anyone who actively helped them. Lord Tyrell attended the king's court and managed to talk to the Darltorian ambassador in private, I was not in attendance. That worthy promised my lord that the strangers would not only reward anyone who took their side but would actively provide support for them if they decided to seize power. How do you know that sergeant? 
one of the great lords interrupted. Simple my lord, as well as being Lord Tyrell's bodyguard at all these meetings, I acted as a confidential go-between for him. By active support, what do you mean? A shocked Lord Vernon asked. In your case my Lord Vernon, Sergeant Fletcher turned to the great lord, your son had arranged for about 300 men to attack your hall in three days. They will be supported by several of the strangers ornithopters. Some of the men-at-arms have been trained to use Darltorian weapons. Once Lord Vernon's hall had fallen it was the conspirators' intention to use this estate as a base for a more concerted campaign against the other great lords. Lord Tyrell believed it likely that some great lords will fall without a fight since their heirs are actively on the Darltorian side. A nice story, one of the lords commented. However, without corroboration that is all it is. Lord Tyrell did not want to risk being betrayed by his fellow plotters, Fletcher continued, and Cathkin realized that he was enjoying verbally torturing Lord Tyrell. After the first few meetings he made all the arrangements in writing. I carried these messages between my lord and his peers. He was careful to get written receipts so that none of the conspirators could betray the others. These documents always accompanied us wherever my lord went. When the lord marshal arrested me, I made a full confession and handed him these documents. My lords I can and will answer any specific questions. That, however, is basically my story. Lord Tyrell swore viciously and turned towards the door. As soon as he saw it was blocked by Lord Harris men he reached into a pocket in his robe and flung a thick disc of copper towards the tables where the great lords were seated. As the object hit the floor, Cathcan heard a sound like the whirring of a clock. Then the missile broke in two and thick black tentacles started writhing into the dining room, getting thicker and longer every second. Before most of the people in the room recovered from the shock the patch was more than ten foot across and large bumps were growing on it. The thing was moving slowly towards the table with some sort of pseudo-life. The cat felt it was originally a creature, but one magically altered beyond recognition. Cathin had expected a certain amount of panic with a lot of the people in the room trying to get through the doors. With some at least throwing tableware at the thing, while the guards started bringing their crossbows into use. However, many of the people in the room were just staring at the object. In fact the only person moving was Lord Tyrell who advanced on one of the two guards who were blocking the door. Pulling the sentry's sword from its scabbard he casually slew the two men before slipping out of the door. Cathkin knew that there was some type of enchantment, a magical fascination, emanating from either the creature or the casing it had been in. He could either try to break the enchantment or kill the thing. The second option seemed to be more important. Jyla was standing by his table. Her face was slack, and she didn't respond when he spoke to her. With a muttered apology he extended his claws and swiped her right buttock as hard as he could. The bard yelped and looked down at him obviously aggrieved. Sorry, the cat murmured. Everyone is ensorcelled or hypnotized. Sing my friend and break that spell for me. The girl shook her head and rapped on the table with her tuning fork. Taking that one pure note as her guide, she started singing although he could not discern any words clearly as it seemed to be pure music. In less than ten seconds the hall bard started plucking his harp, then his voice joined hers and came together in an unworldly harmony. The cat could see several people starting to react then the two bards broke their harmony and their spell climaxed in an excruciating dissonance. Lord Vernon, who had been hunched over concentrating on his goblet as he had learned of his son's plot to overthrow, and no doubt kill him raised his head to see the creature humping across the floor towards him the lumps on its back growing and stretching like some type of obscene seed pod. Cathkin who had been gathering energy from the fire for several minutes needed something burning if he was going to make a precise attack. He had never learnt the incantations necessary for fire-based combat spells and didn't dare risk improvising in a room full of people. My Lord Vernon. Anyone. Throw a torch or even the candles at it, 
the cat meowed loudly while building the incantation he needed in his mind. He noticed that the two bards were both casting again, this time the resident was playing his harp to accompany Jayula's singing. It was a song of calmness and courage in battle. Lord Merrill reacted first and took one pace to the wall behind him and pulled a torch from its sconce. Twisting in a fashion that belied his advancing years he threw it straight at the creature. The burning brand was about a yard above the monster when the first of the lumps burst spraying a black cloud into the air. Sensing these spores, for one of a better description, were the creature's main weapon, Kathkin meowed his spell, the incantation ending in a most unprepossessing squeak. The torch seemed to explode to be replaced by a column of flame that roared up from the floor to the ceiling twenty feet above. The flagstones that formed a mosaic pattern beneath the creature fractured shredding the burning monster. It lasted only a few seconds before both the column and the cat collapsed. There was a moment of silence then one of the great lords turned his neighbor and said overly loudly in the silence, My lord please accept my apologies for calling you a gullible fool to believe that a cat could be a mage. I am obviously the idiot here. Quite all right, I thought it might be able to do a parlor trick or two and was thinking of asking if Kath would be available for my son's party. I don't think I'll bother asking him to light the candle since it might deprive me of my air. As Kathkin collapsed Jayula gathered him into her arms and was relieved to find that he was still breathing, although rather shallowly. It was if he had run as fast as he could for several hours. She stroked him and started singing a crooning song, designed to help a patient deal with exhaustion. Is our little mage all right? Lord Harris asked anxiously. Timon strode over to the bard and gently touched the cat's side. He will be all right my lord. Our friend has overexerted himself a bit. I expect he will make a quick recovery as soon as his bard becomes tired of holding him, like a hirsute infant. The Lord Marshal looked around and saw the two guards lying in their own blood by the door, which was partially open. Where is Lord Tyrell? When no one answered he continued, I have no doubt he used our confusion to escape. However, he won't get far as I planned for this contingency when one of my men overheard him ordering that his horse be saddled and made ready just outside the gates. Lord Vernon Stewart could not be faulted. He organized the servants to refill the wine goblets and had the two dead guards removed, with dignity time unnoted. Fresh rushes were spread near the door. All the windows were open to allow the remaining smoke to dissipate. Any notes of panic or confusion were replaced as a great lord sank into serious conversation with their neighbors. The outcome of this conclave would be interesting. The journeyman healer glanced towards Master Calpin and as soon as the older man caught his eye brought his hand up to heart level with his first finger and thumb projecting from his fist forming a right angle, his other hand gestured towards the cat. The hand sign informed his master that he felt that he had to use healing magic and was asking for permission. The master healer nodded once and went back to talking to his neighbor. Healing magic comes in two types one is the slow magic that promotes healing and fights infections. This is basically a form of herbalism with the healer imbibing potions and salves with magical energy. There is, however, a second form where the healer can draw energy directly from world around them channeling it through their own body, in a similar manner to the actions of a familiar. The one, and highly limiting, difference is the healing magic initially comes from the practitioner's own life force. It is only after the spell has been cast that the healer can slowly pull energy back into their body to replace what they have used. It is possible for a healer to kill themselves doing this, and unfortunately this outcome is far too common. This risk is embodied in the hand-over-heart signal. Kathkin was powerful, but untrained in managing spellcasting, he was currently very tired and should he have to cast again was likely to debilitate himself. With Lord Tyrell still on the loose, and not knowing if there were any other potential attackers nearby, Timon reckoned that the cat was more important to everyone's good health than himself. 
it couldn't hurt his friendship with the bard to do something noble, and even a bit heroic, for her friend. He reached out and placed his right hand just above the cat's head and his left over its abdomen. Focusing on what he wanted to happen he hummed, slightly atonally, and released his spell. There was a faint feeling of power, then the air under his right hand started glowing a light blue. He held his concentration until the light flickered and then banished the magic. Kafkin raised his head and purred his thanks as the young man sat heavily. He had survived on mainly magical nutrition and too little rest for several days. The healer had restored him, at some cost, but due to the difference in their sizes, it shouldn't take very long for the young man to recover. From, some distance away a shrill shriek sounded, followed by a buzz of speculation in the hall. The Lord Marshal waited for the noise to abate before speaking loudly enough to stop the conversation. My lords, even at our worst expectation we believe that we had a few months, at least, to gather our forces and act. You have learnt that in three days the Darltorians will act against this very hall. I have looked over Lord Tyrell's correspondence and I can add one thing Sergeant Fletcher obviously did not know, among the soldiers that the strangers will be flying in are specially trained members of the Royal Guard ordered to assist Lord Vernon's son by the King himself. The young man has a royal warrant that not only gives him the authority to act but pardons him and his men for any treasonable action that may be ascribed to them. There is a second document, Lord Harris reached into a long pocket on his robe and pulled out a parchment which he waved above his head. This is a royal proclamation. In brief it states that should any man oppose the king's beloved representative, Lord Tyrell, then they are guilty of treason against the realms. The Lord Marshal placed the document on the table in front of him. Four of the great lords, including Lord Vernon walked over to read it each of them in turn confirmed its contents. It seems that we have reached the sticking point my lords, Lord Vernon stated as he returned to his seat. Do we act, or do we get pulled down one at a time? While our beloved realms, become just another Darltorian vassal state? There was a buzz of anger and several of the great lords pounded upon the tables in front of them. The Lord Marshal called for silence, my lords, I will put to the conclave this question. Has King Islean betrayed the realms by signing a treaty with the Darltorians without his lord's approval? Aye. The acclamation thundered back from all the lords before Lord Harris could frame a formal vote. Anyone oppose this? There was silence. I ask this conclave whether they agree to remove the king from his authority and appoint a replacement in traditional fashion. Once more the lords shouted their unanimous agreement to the Lord Marshal's second question. Do we fight three days hence? For the third time the conclave voiced their approval. Lord Harris spoke up. With a change in the king I must surrender my role as marshal. I also put aside any claim I have to the throne in favour of Lord Vernon. In turn the great lords echoed Lord Harris' statement. The only dissent coming from Lord Vernon who tried to nominate Lord Harris. When they had all spoken Lord Merrill raised his goblet and simply toasted King Vernon, which the other lords echoed. My friends I never sought this office but now you have asked me to undertake it I will have to accept the challenge you have put before me. Once I am crowned in Henstrackle I will serve as your monarch. Lord Vernon paused and smiled at his old friend, I have no hesitation in reappointing you Lord Marshal. I need someone I can trust to do my donkey work. A door opened somewhere outside the hall and a loud voice could be heard screaming and demanding that he be released at that moment and promising dire retribution on those people who held him as according to King Eslian they were now all traitors to the realm. It appears that Lord Tyrell has been detained, the Lord Marshal observed. Lord Vernon, it is part of my duties that I should act as judge in cases concerning the lords. No, my friend, this is my problem. He is my son, and I should be the one to judge. The conclave sat silently, not knowing what to expect but pitying Lord Vernon, a man they knew to be kind and honourable. 
a small group of the Lord Marshal's men entered the hall half-carrying and half-dragging Lord Tyrell. There was a crossbow bolt sticking out of the back of the Lordling's right knee. My Lord, we were waiting near Lord Tyrell's horse when he ran up. I told him to stop but he persisted in trying to escape so I ordered him to be brought down. Which is what transpired. The leader of the small group of guards was obviously slightly overwhelmed by his audience but had decided that a crisp and comprehensive summary was the best way forward. Thank you, you and your men did well Lord Harris spoke reassuringly as Lord Vernon's captain stepped forward to take charge of a prisoner. Father, these ruffians assaulted me and dragged me injured through the streets to your hall. I insist on their being punished. Lord Tyrell's voice was filled with his usual entitled arrogance. No. Lord Vernon, said in a deathly quiet voice. You have arranged for the abduction of a bard. You have plotted to overthrow me and have arranged for the aid of foreigners to do that. Then in my very hall you use a weapon of these enemies and casually murder two guards. We have seen and examined your papers. Then you know I hold the king's authority and these guards are vile traitors. I demand their execution. It will no doubt upset you to learn this conclave has determined that ex-King Eslian is a traitor, and a majority have voted to replace him. Indeed, I will be the new king once we drag the traitor from his palace. Then you are the biggest traitor of them all. Tyrell, my son and heir, Lord Vernon said in an unnaturally cold voice. I deem you to be guilty of treason both, petty and high. You have conspired with others in these treasons, and have led others astray. No court in the realms would convict me. As soon as the king hears of this everyone in this room will be arrested for high treason. You are correct, there will be no trial, your actions in this very room condemn you. I beg that my fellow lords will forgive me for an act of leniency. I knew you didn't have any strength of character, old man. Lord Vernon, looked sadly at Lord Tyrell. You misunderstand. The leniency is not for you, I couldn't bear to watch you being executed for high treason. My judgment is that as you are guilty of having the bard Jayala abducted on my lands and then assaulted her with a dog whip. You will be punished for these crimes and your papers do not offer you any protection from them. Captain, take him into the courtyard and put him to the sword. Lord Tyrell was dragged screaming from the hall, pleading and crying. All his bluster wiped away. A minute or so later everyone heard a solid meaty thump and the screaming cut off. His face stained with silent tears Lord Vernon beckoned his second son forward. Lord Brandt, I appoint you my heir and as I will be occupied with my new duties you will act as my deputy on all my estates. The young man bowed his head, I will my lord father.